One of the world's favorite Christmas carols came to be in 1847, when a French poet was commissioned by his small town priest to write a poem for the village's Christmas Eve mass. On a trip to Paris, the poet, Placide Capot, read through the birth of Christ in the Gospel of Luke and finished the poem, O Holy Night, by the time he reached the city. He commissioned his friend, a man named Adams, to compose music for the poem, and three weeks later, the song was sung in the village on Christmas Eve for the first time. Initially, Cantique de Noël, the song's French name, was widely loved by the church in France, but when leaders learned that Capot was socialist and Adams was Jewish, the song was denounced as unfit for church services. But the common French people loved it so much, they continued to sing it anyway. The song came later to the U.S. when John Dwight, an abolitionist during the Civil War, heard the song and was moved by the line, Chains shall he break, for the slave is our brother, and in his name all oppression shall cease. Dwight published it in his magazine, and it quickly found favor in the North during the war. On Christmas Eve in 1871, in the midst of fierce fighting during the Franco-Prussian War, an unarmed French soldier jumped out of the trenches, walked into the battlefield, and started singing the song in French. After singing all three verses, a German soldier emerged and started singing back in German. Fighting stopped for the next 24 hours in honor of Christmas Day. Soon after, the French church re-embraced O Holy Night. Then, on Christmas Eve of 1906, the first sound ever heard over the radio other than the beeps and clicks of Morse code was this song, followed by a reading of the Nativity story. A thrill of hope. The weary world rejoices when yonder breaks a new and glorious morn. Few songs throughout history have the haunting, sweeping power of O Holy Night, and fewer still have a story as beautiful as this. Well, hey there, church. Welcome to the second week of our journey towards Christmas. Can you believe it's less than three weeks away? It's coming. And then just last week, we kicked off our Advent journey by laying a foundation that positions us for a conversation that will link up songs of the season with the reason for the season. And we're, we're calling it Joy Unspeakable Sounds of the Season. And early on, we acknowledged a, a simple but powerful reality already, that God is consistently speaking. God is constantly and consistently speaking to us. He speaks truth, He speaks love, He speaks counsel and encouragement and wisdom. God is consistently speaking, which begs the question, are we consistently listening? Those are the first two fill-ins, if you want to use your note guide today as we go through our study time. But God is constantly speaking, and the question is, are we consistently listening? He's speaking so we can hear, but are we listening? And the reality is that hearing and listening are not the same thing. They're different. We don't have to look very far, just look up a couple definitions for, for these concepts. And we look at the concept of the idea to hear, we find this. To perceive with the ear the sound made by someone or something. To be told of, or to be told or informed of, be aware of, know of the existence of. When we talk about hearing, it's actually very passive. 
It happens to us. It happens around us. We don't even necessarily have a say in it. It's very passive. But when we look at the idea to listen, well, it's active. Here's the definition. Give one's attention to a sound. Make an effort to hear something. Be alert and ready to hear something. Take notice of and act on what someone says. Respond to advice or a request. Hearing and listening are not the same thing. We can see just from the definitions that they're different. But hang with me. See, many of us are constantly in a posture and position to hear. We're always encountering sounds and information that comes at us. We hear things, and, and our hearing may be deteriorating. My wife tells me I don't hear like I used to hear. But the reality is, most of us are actually positioned to hear. And when we hear, that moves us into a place where we can listen. A place where we actually move from from the passive to the active, and when we listen, that positions us into a place where we step into a next. Now, the next can be an understanding, it can be a perception, it can be an awareness, it could actually even be moving to do something in a specific task or an endeavor. Uh, hearing leads to listening, listening leads to our next. We, we can't listen if we don't hear. It starts with hearing, but it should move into listening. And listening then allows us to move into that understanding, that knowing, the, the next reality. We can't listen if we haven't heard. We can be ready to listen, but we have to hear in order to then listen. And if we hear but don't listen, we can't get to the next. We can try to skip and go around, but that's not how it works. We'll miss the details and the nuances. Now let me just speak to my, our hearing impaired friends. Listen, this will look a little bit different for you, but it sets, us, it sets up the same way as everybody else. You hear by seeing, but you're still positioned with the same choice that everybody else has of whether, whether you're going to listen. See, hearing happens. Listening is a choice. It's an option. The reality is that as we go through a day, we're constantly hearing all kinds of things. The question is, are we listening? And can we get to the next can we actually step into the thing that is ahead of us? It all comes down to whether or not we're listening or not. Hearing leads to listening. Listening leads to the next. Listening bridges both hearing and our next. And we need both hearing and listening. One without the other leaves us lacking. And if we're really going to be intentional, to listen well, that's got to be, as I said, an intentional effort. Let me put this into a kind of a fun example, and let's play a game. The game actually comes out of a game called Mad Gab. Anybody have it or play the game before? Okay, it's a simple but fun game. They give you cards with little words on them. And the goal is to get you to identify a concept, a, an idea, or a phrase by, by the words given. Because it literally moves through hearing, listening, to knowing. Let, let me just give you an example of what I'm talking about. Here's the example. Baldy gall. All right? Baldy gall. Say that with me. Baldy gall. Not baldy guy. Wait a second. This has nothing to do with me as your pastor. It's baldy gall. Okay, but listen. Okay, hang on. you got to be able to speak it to hear it. And once you hear it, you can listen to it so that you can know what it says. So say it again with me. Say baldy gall. Say it. Come on. Work it out. Work it out. What's it saying? Bald eagle. Yeah, there you go. Okay, that's how the game works. You have to, it has to be spoken so that you can hear, listen, and understand. All right, let me give you the next one. This is for you to work. This is an example. Here we go. Sand tackle laws. Work it out. Bettendorf, Kiwani men, you got to say it. You can't just read it. It has to be spoken so you can hear, listen, and understand. Do you have it? 
You're working it out? What is it? Santa Claus, yes, well done, you got that. Some of you are like, no, I didn't get that one at all. That's okay, here comes another one. Here we go, work it out. Elf habits hoop, all right? Work it out. You, you can't just read it in your mind. You have to speak it with your, your mouth, and then you can hear it and listen and understand. So what is it? Elf habits hoop. You get it? Alphabet soup. Like, oh, no, 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 it's a fun game. It's a fun game because when you listen, you can get it. Now, I'll tell you this, though. Beth hates this game, my wife. She hates this game. She won't play it with me. Amen. Okay, I get that. Some of you hate it. Some of you are excited. But listen, understand it. You have to hear to listen to understand. You can't skip the listening. Listening's the active part. Hearing's passive. You got to work through it. And, and whether you like the game or not, what's challenging about it? Why is it difficult? We all hear the same thing. We got the same set of words, same words read out loud, but it's the listening component. And maybe it's the clutter of the words that gets in the way. There, there are other cards that have a lot more words on them than the ones I gave you. And then it gets all cluttered and it's hard to actually listen. Maybe it could be just the recognition of a word. Like some of you saw elf on that card and you're thinking Christmas. You're not thinking soup. Like you got locked on to the recognition of elf. But then there's just the whole nuances of enunciation in the game. Whatever it is, if we're intentional to listen, we can get there. But it has to be heard in order to listen to, in order to understand. Hearing's not enough. We actually need to get to listening. And listening's a choice. Listening's the option. You know, one of my listening choices at this time of year is to listen to Christmas music. Absolutely, one of my favorite things about Christmas is the music. And I have a routine, a tradition of starting Christmas music right after Thanksgiving. And so because Thanksgiving is so late this year, I'm in like Christmas music deficit already. I gotta, I'm trying to catch up. And so, uh, I, but I love the music. And, and one of my favorite songs of Christmas is O Holy Night. Absolutely, uh, that song just grips my heart. I mean, it was originally written as a poem. It became a song and then went through some transitions before we landed what we know. And you saw in the opening bumper a, a lot of details about the song itself. But if I were to ask you the question, like, can you identify the, the date that it was written? And can you recall the names of the people and the revisions that, that, that came along with the, the song? Or would you be able to say that right now? Would you know that? I mean, the reality is we all heard the video with that information. But were we all listening? Some of you may have been listening. Some of you weren't. And you can't recall the date and you can't recall the names. But if I said, we're going to play that video again. Only this time, if you can identify the date and the names, I will give you a $100 bill. Are you listening now? You betcha. You betcha. Like, come on, bring it, preacher. I'm ready. Play the video again. I'm listening. I heard before, but I'm listening now. There is a difference between hearing and listening. It's a totally different posture to listen to something. And understand this. Even though God is consistently speaking... It doesn't mean we're hearing or listening. I think sometimes we can feel like it's hard to hear God. But I really think it's not hard to hear him. It's hard because we don't know how to listen or we're not listening. 
And we can even bump into things that make it hard to listen, like distractions, other noise in the system, other things happening in our life. They get, we get distracted. Or maybe we bump into something he's saying we just dislike. We, we just disagree with. Like, I don't, tell me something else, God. I don't want to hear that. It's like, give me another card than sand tackle laws. I don't want to know that one. Give me another card. We can disagree, and that makes it hard to listen. We can even have the preconceived notion that we think what the answer is going to be or what he's going to say, and, and we're only focused on elf, and we're missing the reality of alphabet. Even doubt can get in the way. We doubt ourselves. We, we, can, we can doubt him. And then there's the whole reality that we can even tune out on things. Things that we hear over and over, we tune out on. We do that. We, we have sounds in the background we just tune out on. Maybe it's a sound of traffic or, or just things that are just repeatedly over and over and over again. We just tune out on them. Maybe you, you tune out on your spouse. Don't do that. That's not good. But we do tune out. You know what I tune out on? Trains. Many of us in the Quad Cities live within earshot of a train. I tune out on trains when I'm at home or at work or I'm about my business. I, don't, I tune out on trains. But when I hop in the car and I start to try to go somewhere, I start listening for trains because I don't want to get stuck. I don't want to get stopped. There's a difference between hearing and listening, and we can tune out and not listen at all. We can do that when we hear things over and over, and we can do the same thing when it comes to the story of Jesus, his birth, his life, the reality that he came. We can tune out because we hear it over and over again. And so last week we asked the question, are we hearing and this week, we're asking the question, are we really listening? Let's go back to that song, O Holy Night, for a moment. Because the, the first verse of that song is very familiar. It goes like this, O Holy Night, the stars are brightly shining. It is the night of our dear Savior's birth. Long lay the world in sin and error pining, till he appeared and the soul felt its worth. A thrill of hope, the weary soul rejoices, for yonder breaks a new and glorious mourn. There's a lot of beautiful imagery in these few lines. But I'll tell you, the line that jumps out to me most, that grips my heart, is this one right here. Till he appeared and the soul felt its worth. Man, that grabs me every time, especially in a world where our value seems to be challenged every day. It's Christmas that declares our true value. And I don't know if you did do this or not, but when, when I listen to familiar songs, sometimes I go on cruise control through the lyrics and just kind of move past what it's actually saying. But when I listen to this song in this season, this line jumps out at me. I, I used to focus more here that it is the night of the dear Savior's birth. I mean, it's Christmas. It's like the hinge point. It's why we're celebrating at all. But there's something about this that has gripped me. And I have gone from hearing these words many times to now very intentionally trying to listen. There's a difference between hearing and listening and I, I believe that this reality is why Christmas can feel different. Why we can even feel special at this time of year. Because it reminds us that the King of Kings and Lord of Lords came to rescue that which was most precious to him. You and me. God came to rescue us in all of the complexity with that. There's an author by the name of John Eldridge. He describes that first holy night this way. He says, Christmas is the most stunning rescue story of all time. Under cover of night in a remote village in Palestine, 
In a world held captive by the dark prince, God comes to earth as a human being, a little boy. He invades the human race in order to rescue the human race. Satan is furious. He lashes out desperately to try to stop the invasion. The angels go to war, but God cannot be stopped. He will ransom and restore his beloved. The beauty of the act cannot be adequately expressed. There's so much that's good tucked into these words, but it might feel a little bit divergent from like Christmas spirit and Christmas tone that you're familiar with. But hear me, the Christmas narrative is the greatest rescue mission of all time, where the Prince of Peace came and brought peace. Jesus brings peace in the midst of chaos, in the midst of conflict. One of the other stanzas in the song go like this. He, truly he taught us to love one another. His law is love and his gospel is what? It's peace. The prince of peace brings peace. Chains he shall break for the slave is our brother. And in his name all oppression shall cease. Jesus brings peace into spaces of war. He brings peace into spaces of conflict relationally. And he can even bring peace into our hearts. He loves and moves in that way because he is the Prince of Peace. And when we begin to understand our worth, when we begin to understand where our worth comes from, well, then we begin to see others and their worth, and it creates spaces where we can enjoy peace as we live in proximity with other people. Jesus brings peace. He came to rescue that which is most precious to him. And in that reality, our soul finds its worth. That he came to rescue. And that's when we can fall on our knees and we can worship him. In the original version of the song, the refrain went this way. People kneel down, await your deliverance. Christmas, Christmas, here is the Redeemer. Christmas, Christmas, here is the Redeemer. Jesus is our redeemer. He is rescuer. Because he recognizes that we get stuck. We get stuck in our sin and our brokenness. He recognizes that we can trade the truth for a lie. That we can quickly settle for scraps from the table rather than a seat of honor at the banquet feast. That we can live our lives and use our bodies in lesser ways than we're ever intended. And then we end up stuck in the oppression of sin. Yet it's in his name that all oppression shall cease. Chains are broken. Yet in our brokenness, we can forget and lose sight of our worth. And we can stop listening. And when we stop listening, we can't make sense of what we're hearing from God. We can't make sense of what we hear from God until we start to listen again. In order to listen to him, we've got to move from passive to active. When we step towards this, in, this exchange, hearing is recognizing that something happened, that the noise occurred, that the moment happened. Hearing is recognizing. We know. But listening is receiving. It's moving towards understanding. It's moving towards the next. Hearing and listening are not the same. Hearing leads to listening. Listening leads to the next. It's true in our individual lives. It's true in our engagement with the story of Jesus. In fact, there are a number of people that are connected to the, the narrative of Jesus coming. Uh, from, from Mary and Joseph to the shepherds to the wise men. 
But tucked in between all of that is a husband and a wife that you may not be familiar with. Their names are Zechariah and Elizabeth. And they are a couple who walked a journey of hearing and listening and into a next that we can learn from and benefit from in our own journey of hearing, listening, and into a next. There's actually a moment where it gets sideways, where they kind of get hung up in hearing and not listening. But in the end, pull it out and step into something much greater. We, we can find that story in Luke chapter 1, because Zechariah is actually a priest. He, he's known as a righteous man. And there's a number of Zacharias in Scripture, but we're in the New Testament in Luke chapter 1. So if you have a Bible, you can go ahead and turn there and follow along in your own Bible. But we'll also have it on the screen. Zechariah was considered to be a righteous man. And also someone who God began to tell that he was coming to earth. It, it's a powerful moment that describes the experience we find here in Luke 1. And, and it's putting into motion the coming of Messiah. Now, Zechariah and his wife were known for their personal holiness. They, they lived a righteous life. And that meant that they were situated for a special work. Anytime someone is willing to obey God, to hear him and listen to him, to step into a next, they're positioned for special work. Zechariah and Elizabeth were. But part of their journey also involved a stigma and a significant amount of pain. Because they didn't have any children. They were later in their years, and in this time in Jewish culture, when, when a family had kids, when parents and a couple had children, it was considered to be the direct blessing of God. So the lack of children was equated to God withholding blessing. Now, that's not exactly how God works, but in this time, that was the, that was the thinking. And, and so there was a stigma and a pain that was associated alongside a couple who lived righteously and obediently. And we're going to pick up the story, Luke 1, where Zechariah is actually doing his annual service in the temple and something unique happens. So let's take a look. You can follow up here in your own scriptures. Starting at verse 11. Then an angel of the Lord appeared to him, Zechariah, standing at the right side of the altar of incense. When Zechariah saw him, he was startled and was gripped with fear. But the angel said to him, do not be afraid, Zechariah. Your prayer has been heard. Your wife Elizabeth will bear you a son and you are to call him John. He will be a joy and a delight to you and many will rejoice because of his birth. For he will be great in the sight of the Lord. He is never to take wine or other fermented drink, and he will be filled with the Holy Spirit even before he is born. He will bring back many of the people of Israel to the Lord their God, and he will go on before the Lord in the spirit and power of Elijah to turn the hearts of the parents to their children and the disobedient to the wisdom of the righteous, to make ready a people prepared for the Lord. Verse 18, Zechariah asked the angel, how can I be sure of this? I am an old man and my wife is well along in years. The angel said to him, I am Gabriel. I stand in the presence of God and I have been sent to speak to you and to tell you this good news. Let me just hold right there. Because in a way, what Gabriel is saying to Zechariah is, Zechariah, you're hearing me, but you're not listening. You're hearing, but you're not listening. But let me help you. So here's what happens, verse 20. And now you will be silent and not able to speak until the day this happens because you did not believe my words, which will come true at their appointed time. Now, this is maybe not a story you're familiar with. Zechariah and Elizabeth may not be people you think of in the Christmas narrative, but it is fitting for us to pause and include them in our journey towards Christmas because God overtly begins to roll out his rescue plan in Zechariah and Elizabeth's lives. He sends Gabriel to Zechariah to declare after years of waiting that the stigma will be removed, that they would have a child, that that, that 
they, they would have an answer to their prayers. And so God is going to do that, but he's also going to answer that deep longing in their hearts if they will hear and listen. Hear and listen to get to the next. But he's going to do more than that. He's actually going to fulfill a much greater purpose for the nation, for the world, even for us today. Because their son would pave the way for the Messiah to come. But I want you to just hold that thought for a moment and understand the context of what we're doing in this understanding of Zechariah's journey. See, Zechariah was a Jewish priest. And, and you may know that the priests were responsible for caring for the temple. They were responsible for teaching scriptures and leading worship services. You may already know that. But what you may not know is that this time... In this time period, there were more than 20,000 priests, which is far too many priests to be in the temple at one time. There was only one temple. So what happened was they divided them into 24 divisions. It was according to the instructions of David in 1 Chronicles 24. Put them into 24 divisions of about 1,000 priests in each division. And Zechariah was in the, the division of Abijah. And, and his division was on, to, on service in their annual service moment in this season. And, and when the priests were there, every day they would send one priest into the temple and into the Holy of Holies, the place where the presence of God would be revealed, and only one priest got to do that. And so each day they would cast lots to see who would go in, and in this particular case it fell to Zechariah. It was a once-in-a-lifetime experience. There would be many priests who would never have the privilege of going into the Holy of Holies, but Zechariah was able to do that this day, and it would be way bigger than he even expected. Because once he was in there, once he was doing the business and the, and the job that he was assigned, he encounters Gabriel. And, and we heard of Gabriel before, but it's been more than 500 years since we heard from Gabriel. The last time we heard from Gabriel in Scripture is all the way back in the book of Daniel, chapters 8 and 9. He shows up and engages with Daniel. So more than 500 years later, he shows up to Zechariah. And six months from this point, he's going to show up to a young woman named Mary. And she's going to have her own life-changing experience. But today... Today here, this is Zechariah's day. But what blows my mind about this, Zechariah doesn't seem to really focus on the fact that an angel showed up to him or that there's the information of the coming of the Messiah. He's totally focused on, I'm not sure I can have this kid or not. I'm kind of old. <laughs> he, gets, he gets focused on the idea of the child and, and his idea, his, his thinking limits him. His, his limitations of age overshadowed God's promise. And so he ends up hearing but not listening. He heard, but he didn't listen. So God is going to position him in a place where he can listen. And he positions him not to be able to speak until the promise is fulfilled. And that's exactly what happens. Zechariah will have a son. And, and, and he will name him as he was told. He will name him John. But to understand the realities of this whole thing, we need to understand a bit of the dynamic. Because God was in this moment already orchestrating the details of history to pave the way for Jesus to come. Even as Zechariah went in to burn incense on this really cool special day to pray on behalf of the people, to pray for Messiah, and probably even on the side pray for a child for he and his wife. It's in that space that, that God sends Gabriel to point towards the answer. But before the answer and the prayers could be fulfilled, Zechariah doubts, which is really easy to do. It's easy to doubt and misunderstand God. When we don't listen, when we stop at listening, when we focus on our own ability, our own experience, our own intellect, rather than on God's, which is exactly what Zechariah starts to do. I mean, Zechariah began to doubt, but there are plenty of reasons he shouldn't have doubted. 
He was in the Holy of Holies having a super special day, talking to a dude who looked like an angel. <laughs> there are lots of reasons he shouldn't have doubted, but he did. We don't know exactly all the elements that contributed to that. Could have been he got tired of waiting for an answer. Could be he just got tired of praying the same prayers over without seeing God move or seeing God respond. We don't, we don't really know what caused the doubt to pop up in his life, but we know that he let the doubt impact his ability to listen. To listen to a God who, for him, all things are possible. He let doubt impact his ability to listen to a God who delivers on all of his promises. And one of the other things to understand about that God is that our physical limitations are never limitations for him. Our physical limitations never limit God. You know what limits God in our lives? Our spiritual realities, our spiritual limitations. Faith, trust, and obedience. Our willingness to embrace all those, God's not limited. But when we withhold those, when we stop at hearing and don't move to listening to step into a next, God is limited in what he can do in our lives. The spiritual dynamic is what stops things short. And, and God ends up stopping Zechariah short. There was a, a greater narrative at work here, and he, and he, and he shuts Zechariah down. But the lesson was still to come. He, he had to learn to hear and listen and then step into a next out of his understanding. So what ends up happening is Zechariah coming out of the Holy of Holies, it was, it was this moment where all of his priestly buddies would be waiting it was a normal thing for the priest to come out who was in there and pray a blessing over the people. And then they'd want to know, like, hey, what, what, what happened? <laughs> Dude, I've never been in that space. Tell me how that was. All of his buddies in the whole Abijah division would be like, hey, tell me what's going on. And guess what? Zechariah can't talk. <laughs> he can't do it. He can't offer the blessing. He can't speak. He can't describe what's going on. I mean, I'm pretty sure that they, that they asked him, how was it? We do that even today. We go to dinner. We go to a concert. We go to an event. We ask our family and friends, hey, how was it? And this was far bigger than that. He was asked, how was it? And he couldn't say. I think that was a likely tension for him. But I think there was another tension for, for he and Elizabeth. I think they struggled with their worth out of the journey they'd walked on to this point. You get the whole no kid thing, right? And the idea that with no kids, that means God isn't blessing. And again, that's not how God works, but it's how they thought it was working in this space and time. And in the midst of all of that dynamic, struggling with worth, struggling to be able to describe and answer and engage maybe as you're expected or wanting, in that space, they still had a choice to only hear or to hear and listen and allow the listen to lead to the next. It was a very specific moment and a choice that they could make in the journey. And fortunately, Zechariah actually in this second space chooses not just to hear but to actually listen. He follows through and he receives blessing. His wife gets pregnant. And then he experiences in that window where he can't speak a literal, a literal unspeakable joy. <laughs> Here's a man who waited for a child all this time. And now his wife is pregnant. And he, it's an unspeakable joy that's probably welling up in him. And they have the child. And they name that child John. And that, that kid would be the kid that paves the way for the coming of Jesus. And if you haven't put it together, that son John that they name is John the Baptist. The one who will teach and preach and even he will baptize the Redeemer. He will baptize Jesus. So here's the thing about hearing and listening that, allow, that gets us into our next in our journey. It, it's revealed if we're listening by what we do. When we're listening, we do the right thing at the earliest possible time. 
when we're listening, we do the right thing at the earliest possible time. Not just people who hear, but not just hearers, but doers. And, and having raised two boys, I have seen this play out over and over again with my kids, especially when they were younger. Whenever I said to them, hey guys, go clean your room or, or go do a chore, like take out the trash or do the dishes. I knew they were listening if they went and did it. If, if, if I told them to do it and they went and did it, they were listening. If I told them to do it and they didn't do it, they weren't listening. They may have heard me, but they weren't listening. The evidence that we're listening is that we do the right thing at the earliest possible time. And that can often mean setting aside doubt. That can, that can often mean stepping out in trust, even though we can't see everything, even though we don't have all the answers. But if we know the worth of our soul, well, then we're better positioned to step in doing the right thing at the earliest possible time, which is what Zechariah did after that little bit of a hiccup. He waits patiently. He prepares his wife, telling her that this, we're going to name him John, not name him after me. And, and they follow through. And then he gets his voice back. And the first thing he does is he praises God. You can read the rest of that story in the rest of Luke chapter 1. But when we're willing to hear and willing to listen, God leads us into our next. And whenever we're willing to fall on our knees and worship the one who was born in the manger that first Christmas, everything changes. The junk, the, the, the stigmas, the, the brokenness of our past is all washed away in the hope and the peace that Jesus brings. And we know our value. We know our worth. Even in our brokenness, Jesus sees our value. And he loves us. And he pursues us. And he rescues us. That's the hope of Christmas. Even in the book of Isaiah, it declares this reality. The people walking in darkness have seen a great light. On those living in the land of the shadow of death, a light has dawned. A new morning broken. When we, when we, when we hear and listen and step in obedience into our next... Things that have been unseen become seen. Things that have been in the dark move into the light. And we find freedom and chains are broken. And we're never the same. But making sense of what we hear requires intentional effort to listen. And Zachariah struggled with that in a moment. And all he needed to do was to lean in to be more careful in his listening in order to obey. And sometimes we can find ourselves in the same space. Needing to just more intentionally listen to sit in a space of stillness, to engage in scripture reading, to pray, to fast, to be in a space to hear through those practices and others like them. We can hear a lot, but we have to be intentional in order to listen, to go from hearing to listening and ultimately into our next. So I wanna ask a question though as you're processing this. Are you willing to listen after you've heard? Are you willing to listen after you've heard? Are you able to listen after you've heard? Sometimes I think this might be the hardest part of listening, even with the game Mad Gab. Once you, once you hear it once and get locked in on something like elf means Christmas, it's hard to actually listen to it. Are you willing to listen after you have heard? It's key and essential to understanding and learning and knowing in, in the game of Mad Gab, but also in life. Zachariah struggled with that, but he's not the only one. When, when Gabriel shows up to Mary, she's perplexed for a moment. When the angels show up to the shepherds and, and they, they sing and they declare, then they explain. The shepherds had to be willing to not just hear, but then to later listen to the instructions that would come. And if we go back and look at the story of Joseph, which we unpacked last week, Joseph had a really unique expression of this, probably more complicated than the others, because he heard that his fiancée was pregnant, and he knew he didn't do it. 
And he had to wait in order to listen until the angel explained to him what was going on. That can be a tough space to hear something and have to wait to the space to listen. Where's God asking maybe you to do that? Maybe you've heard something. Maybe you've heard a loss, a disappointment, a setback, a failure. Maybe you've heard a promise or an invitation, but you're in a space of waiting to get to the listening moment. Are you willing to listen after you've heard, whether it's immediate or after a delay? See, when we're listening, we're willing to do the right thing at the earliest possible time. Whenever that time comes, and if, and if you're waiting for God to answer or God to fulfill a promise, you can wait with confidence. He's the one who's already declared the worth of our souls. He's reliable. Don't stop listening. Don't quit hoping and believing like Zechariah was tempted to do at the beginning of his journey. God is always speaking. So listen close enough to hear. And even be willing to consider where you're tempted to stop listening. Where you're tempted to stop praying because you've been praying a long time. Where you're tempted to quit hoping and believing. Be willing to recognize where fear or doubt can creep in that's keeping you from hearing, listening, and stepping fully into a next. Our God is trustworthy. The, the, the holy night moment that we'll celebrate at Christmas Eve and we're talking about even now is really an invitation unto itself to listen. To listen after hearing. See, most of us already, before we walked in today in any of our network locations, to already know about Jesus a bit. That maybe that he came at Christmas and that he lived and died and rose again. You've heard that before. But my question for you, are you still willing to listen? Or have you tuned it out? You've heard it over and over and you've tuned it out. Are you willing to listen after you've heard, to, to know and to step fully in to your full worth today. When we listen, we do the right thing at the earliest possible time. John Eldridge, in that quote I read earlier, goes on to simply say this. He said, when a great king rescues his beloved, we all know she is precious to him and we see his greatness. The soul feels its worth and we fall on our knees before a God who redeems and saves, who breaks chains, who restores, who heals. It's in that reality that everything changes. And when we realize we're loved that much, that's when the soul feels its worth. It's not in what we can do. It's in what he wants to do in us. And if you've struggled with doubt in your life, or you struggled to listen, I wanna encourage you this Christmas to set that aside. Even identify the doubts and just ask God to help you to no longer doubt, to help you to listen well, to help you to wait well. Let him lean in in his power and his life. If you have doubt, look, honest doubt is not fatal. It's often the starting point for many faith journeys. It's just not the destination. If you've been looking at doubt as a chair to sit in, rather than a stepping stone to move into your next, it's time to move. Be willing to hear, hear your worth, listen to what it means and step fully into the instructions and plan that God has for you. Hearing gives us information, but 
listening leads us to purpose and greater things. And we need both to live in faithfulness. Do the right thing at the earliest possible time and demonstrate you've been listening to him. I wanna give you one more mad gab if I can, if I may. It's simply this, cheese house game. Go ahead, you gotta work it out. You can't just read it, you gotta, you gotta say it out. You got it? Yeah, there you go, okay. Jesus came, all right? I know, that sounds cheesy, it may even be cheesy. Well, I don't care, I don't care. Listen, he came and he came for you because your soul has worth. But I'm gonna tell you, it doesn't matter if you won't move past hearing to listening. For some people today, you have heard over and over and over again that Jesus came and you've never listened. And you've been passive and not active. And today what he's asking you to do next is to step in trust and relationship with him. And if you've never done that in the back of the note guide are the steps to go from hearing to listening and into your next in relationship with Jesus. If you've already done that, he's still speaking. Be willing to listen, even if it's been a delay. Even if what you've had to listen to has been hard, it's, it's been painful, there's been stigma, be willing to listen and do the right next thing at the earliest possible time. He's always speaking. We're not always listening. But this Christmas, my prayer, my prayer for all of us is that we will know our full worth as we live fully into who he calls us to be by his power at work within us. For some of you, you know somebody who needs to know the worth of their soul this Christmas. And God specifically positioned you to invite them into a space to hear that. And I challenge you to invite them to a Christmas Eve service here at Heritage so that they will not just hear and just recognize, but that they will receive. That we can all recognize and receive as we live into the full worth that we have as beloved sons and daughters of the Most High God. Would you pray with me? Heavenly Father, I thank you that in a world that is often marked by conflict and chaos, where there are chains and there is oppression, that you sent the Prince of Peace. And that in him, oppression ceases and him, chains are broken. But I recognize, Lord, that just knowing that isn't enough. We need to receive that. We need to step in belief and trust to get into the next that you have. So I pray as my brothers and sisters process this conversation, processing the journey of Zechariah and Elizabeth, I pray that you would continue to speak and that you would position us to hear, but also listen and allow us to step fully into who you call us to be, knowing, feeling, and understanding the full worth of our soul. We love you, we pray these things in the name of Jesus. And everybody said,